This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. This is Patty Scalzo, and along with the Church Fellowship, I welcome you as we continue a sermon in my Husband's Heavenly Authority series. The current topic is the office of the prophet in the New Testament. And in this sermon, Pastor continued to speak about John the Baptist. When we left off, he was in Matthew chapter 14, where Herodias has her daughter dance for Herod as a means to trap her husband into killing John because John had said to Herod that it was not lawful for him to have his brother Philip's wife. Here is Pastor Greg Scalzo. But he's looking at the daughter, and the daughter does a dance for him. She dances for the head of the prophet. There's a lot of people out there today that would dance for the head of Christian prophets if they could get rid of them. And he's bound, he's sad about it, but he's bound by his oath. Because of the company there, how do you know the governor, the Roman governor is not there? How do you know representatives of Rome are not there? And he has to show he's a king, he keeps his word. And so while he wouldn't behead John, he just threw him in prison to shut Herodias up. Herod then takes and has John beheaded and the head given to this girl who's in her sin. The head of the prophet is presented on the platter. That's the reaction of the world to the office of the prophet. And even when you speak the words of God, if you're not in the office of the prophet, if you speak the words of God, if you speak from the scriptures and tell people the Bible said, you've quoted the words of the prophets and the apostles, that can be the reaction to you. Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you also. And the office is not, you know, everyone likes, when you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, a lot of times Christians say, I wish I had that, and I wish I could be this, who wants to be a prophet, who wants to be a teacher, who wants to be all these different things. These are serious positions, and God needs people in these positions, but it's not because it's all joy and gee, isn't it great to get a word from God? Yeah, but then if you have the office of the prophet, guess what you have to do? You have to speak it, right? And it's not like in some churches all you hear are rosy prophecies. Everything is always good and there's nothing, there's never anything to correct in some Pentecostal churches. That's not true. God does have things that he wants to correct in his people and proclaim to the world. And the fullness of that office of the prophet will bring forth things that people don't like to hear. For example, you have your brother Philip's wife and you should not. The, um, the murderous anger toward the prophet is seen in the culmination in, uh, in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11, he talks about the um, temple for 42 months, the three and a half years. The first, I believe it's the first part of the tribulation week, the seven years. And it says in verse 3, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. And he goes on to say, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, 
Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed. He must be killed in this manner. Fire comes down. Now, remember we read about John. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He had the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He spoke the message of God, the clear message of God. And yet no miraculous signs, external signs, were performed. We read about that last week. Here, with these two that come in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord before his return. Remember, Elijah is coming and Elijah has come, Jesus said. They come in the same spirit and power of Elijah. Um, they do have fire coming down. As a matter of fact, more than just on Mount Carmel, anyone that looks to harm them as they're prophesying, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Verse 6, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. They have great power and miracles coming from above. Verse 7, when they finish their testimony, the beast, that's the Antichrist, that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. Well, actually, you have two beasts. You have the false prophet and you have the Antichrist. Uh, overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street, and God allows it. With all this power, the Antichrist, the false prophet, are allowed then to overcome them and kill them in the streets of Jerusalem. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So it's got to be Jerusalem. And those, look at verse 9, that's what we want to focus on. And those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. Now, in the time of John, the apostle, not John the Baptist, who had this vision, how could he know that in a three and a half day period of time, peoples from tribes, tongues, nations all over the globe would be able to see something in three and a half days. If you wanted to send a letter from Israel up to Damascus, it took days to go there. How could the whole world see something in three and a half days? See it as it happens. Well, we see the things going on in Israel as it happens today because we have television, we have the internet, right? So here at a time when no one had a circuit or a cathode ray tube or a computer chip, the prophecy was true that people could see one event in Jerusalem throughout the whole world in a very short period of time. And they'll be dead on the street three and a half days and not allow their bodies to be put in the grave. They're going to leave their bodies there for everyone to see. And look at verse 10. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. It's going to be like Christmas. They're going to they're going to have feasts, they're going to get together and have parties. They're going to exchange gifts because these two prophets' bodies are dead. Up to now, you know, they've been, fire's been coming down from heaven. They have power to dry up the waters, to turn them to blood, to strike the earth with plagues, just like Moses back in the time of Egypt. And now they're dead and they're rejoicing. Obviously, whatever message these prophets prophesy for 1,000 260 days for 42 months has not reached these people because they're happy. They haven't been convicted by the message from God and said, gee, we need to repent. They're happy they're dead. 
because the two prophets who tormented those who dwell on the earth. They send gifts to one another because these two prophets, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw it. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. I think that speaks about the people in Israel. I believe this happens right in the middle of the seven years, three and a half years. Because then you have the seventh trumpet sounded. You have all this information about Israel, the woman that bears the child, and then she flees into the desert, and it sounds like finally they say, Baruch HaBah, Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These two are resurrected right in front of them the way their Lord Jesus was, and you have salvation for Israel. But notice, notice, they're sending gifts before this resurrection because of the torment. They, these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. And that's what the message of the prophet is to Herodias, to Salome, to Herod, Herod Antipas, all the people in the world. The message is torment. And the message of the prophet, if it's spoken correctly, might get the prophet thrown into a well, might get the prophet stoned by the altar. The message of the prophet can lead to murderous anger on the part of those that don't want to hear it. Uh, just for a few minutes we have left. You remember in the study of the apostles how we study the role of the apostle, but that Jesus was the greatest apostle. It says in Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He is the one sent out, right? And then he sends out the little apostles. He is the apostle, right? Well, when you speak about the office of the prophet, Jesus is the embodiment of the prophet. I read two times the scripture from Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God, this is Moses, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. A prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. This is the word from God to Moses. And I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. And that's speaking about the prophet, the scribes. We saw them ask John last week, are you the prophet? He answered, no. They're waiting for the prophet, and Jesus is the prophet. Let me just give you a couple of very quick scriptures. In Luke chapter 7, you have the account of Jesus raising the widow of Nain's son. He says, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet 
has risen up among us and God has visited his people. In Matthew chapter 21, in verse 9, at the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. In Luke chapter 24, at the resurrection, Jesus walks with the two on the road to Emmaus, and they do not recognize him. Uh, and they're telling him all the events that happened. Uh, verse 18, then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. We are offering on the shiarjeshub.org website Pastor Greg Scalzo's anointed six-audio CD set on Christian marriage as our thank-you gift to you when you donate $35 or more to the church. The address again is s-h-e-a-r hyphen j-a-s-h-u-b dot o-r-g. And you will find details about the offer and a secure PayPal link to make your donation. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.